Hello and welcome to another YPTE podcast. Now, my guest today, apart from being a president of the Young People's Trust for the Environment, is also a TV presenter on CBBC with shows like Naomi's Nightmares of Nature, Marrying Mum and Dad and all over the place. She is Naomi Wilkinson. Naomi, welcome. Hello, Peter. Oh, this is very nice. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good, isn't it? I like it. Um, right, Naomi, let's get straight on with it then. And first question. How did you get involved with the Young People's Trust for the Environment as a president in the first place? Um, well, I was working at Milkshake at the time on Channel 5 and I got an invitation at work along with a few other people, uh, Kate McIntyre, who was presenting a show called The Core at the time, I think it was. And um, we both went, this looks good, let's go to this. I think that would have been 20 years ago. I was trying to remember, but I think that was in 2001 uh, when we first came along to the awards and so that was my first um, experience of the Young People's Trust for the Environment and seeing those um, fantastic projects that the kids had come up with and those beautiful awards. You had those otter statues that the kids used to win and it was a very plush venue wasn't it and yeah, the Dorchester. Yeah, very nice. Met lots of celebrities <laughs> there. I can remember mingling with the stars and just being all overwhelmed by it and thinking this is absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, I was lucky enough to be invited along and I and I've kept coming back. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's really good. And um how long do you think you've been interested in the environment? Um, I think it's always been an interest. My mum was always heavily involved with the wildlife funds, you know, in uh, Bristol where I grew up. So she used to have kind of um, hold hold open garden days and stuff. We used to have quite a big garden. We were really lucky as kids with big ponds and trees and stuff and a big allotment. And um, so, yeah, we used to have people come round to see the garden and then we'd have a little wildlife fund stall that I'd used to help out on selling all the little merchandise <laughs> and um, so it was kind of always in my family my mum and dad have had a huge interest and been always members of the National Trust and things like that um, but I think my interest got hugely sparked once I started presenting on CBBC and started to present wildlife programmes which I hadn't done before because before that was all singing or dancing um, background and then at Milkshake that's what I was doing you know, preschool sure. programs. So it was very different and it took a huge U-turn in 2010 <laughs> uh, when I went to present Live and Deadly with Steve Backshall. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, do you, do you feel there was like a, a defining moment when you realised how important it was to take care of the, the, the planet and the environment? Yeah, and I think, honestly, it was it was coming to one of your events and I think it was one of the first... I think it was perhaps the first one I went to and I vividly remember there was a project that was presented about stopping using plastic bags, stopping the use of plastic bags in your life. Um, these young kids had just come up with a kind of um, a whole presentation about what are we doing, why are we using these and telling us how long they took to break down and that they just didn't go anywhere, there was no way for a plastic bag. And it really hit home to me. I was like, oh no, at home I've got a cupboard full of plastic bags. What am I doing? I don't I don't need to be using these at all. I can just remember to take my bag. That's a really simple fix. Um, and I think from that day, I've never picked up another plastic bag from the shop. And that was a real trigger in like, right, I can make changes really simply in my own life to make a difference. And uh, to really know that you are personally trying to make a difference. Yeah. And I think it was the power of the young voices, you know, they really hit you. Um, 
and they really make you sort of take a step back and question your actions and really think about what you're doing and that's what I've loved about coming every year because I've found almost every year I'm challenged by something new because there's always new developments new you know uh, studies that prove new things aren't there and every year you're going oh I didn't realize that that was having that impact impact but actually I can change that so yeah, that's not a problem yeah. you know and the thing is the kids are really on it as well um yeah. they really get that don't they <laughs> yeah and they're so enthusiastic and they come up with such sort of novel ways of telling you with their songs or their poems or their dramas or whatever they've chosen to do with their projects that it really does make you sit up and listen. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it, I just think there's there's a real power to it. You're absolutely right. And um, I think there's also that kind of innocence of, of um, particularly with young children, just seeing the logic of something and saying, well, you know why isn't it like this why are you doing it that way you could be doing it like this why don't you and exactly. you know the adult world just going oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah why haven't we been doing that for the last 20 years i don't know let's change it now you know yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. right brilliant so um you made quite a big switch didn't you a few years ago because you were working on channel 5's milkshake with with yeah. small children for yeah. quite a while and then there was a, a big switch to cbbc and um, what brought about that change? Um, so the producer of Live and Deadly, watch, she had young children and she watched Milkshake, Milkshake, Milkshake so she knew of me from watching The Breakfast Programme. Oh, and um, she got in touch with me and asked if I'd like to screen test for Live and Deadly. And of course I was like, yes, I'd absolutely love to. I always wanted to work for CBBC. It was like a childhood dream. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I leapt at the chance to do a screen test with Steve and thankfully that went OK and we got on really, really well. And we'd met, I think it was quite soon after the screen test, actually. We were then met again because he came to one of your um, awards. Yeah, that's right, the zoo, I think, well. yeah. Um, and we got on really well then. So I think it was, I don't know, it was like the stars all aligned and uh, got offered the job and went for it. Amazing. No, that's, that's yeah. really nice. And um I mean, Naomi's Nightmares of Nature always kind of struck me um, because it seemed like in Life and Deadly, they'd often have something they'd bring on and you'd be kind of, oh, my gosh, um, and be quite scared of it. And what because my theory was always that someone you know, in the BBC team was looking at that and thinking, there's a programme there, yeah. <laughs> you know, with Nightmares of Nature. Is that the way it, it happened, do you think? Or... I think so. I think on children's telly, I've learned you shouldn't really ever tell them what you're genuinely afraid of because they'll <laughs> have you facing it <laughs> in, a, in a heartbeat. Um, it, I mean, it does make quite good telly, doesn't it? Yeah. Things like Get Me Out of Fear and all those things when you see people struggling, facing a fear, it is quite gripping to watch. Yeah, so I yeah. can understand the appeal. Um but I loved that with Nightmare of Na Nightmares of Nature that it had that kind of underlying um, revelation that often the things that you're really scared of, you don't need to be, and this is why. Um, and and learning that actually, once you understand those creatures a bit better and, and <laughs> educate yourself a bit, um, yeah. things aren't half as scary as they first appear. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was a really strong message that came out from it. Um, and also learning a lot about the backgrounds of the, the particular nightmares as well. But yeah. for you, what was your scariest nightmare of nature, do you think? Well, I think for anyone that watched the programme, they would probably guess it would be sharks because I had this horrendous phobia of sharks and just was so terrified of them. I didn't go in an aquarium from the age of eight through to when I started presenting Live and Deadly in my 30s. Wow. And um, 
uh, I couldn't look at a photo of them. I couldn't look at drawings of sharks. I was absolutely petrified of them. So when I knew I was going to actually have to get in the water with sharks <laughs> for Nightmares of Nature, that was a scary day. But having since learned all about them and really started to love sharks as a result of getting to know these creatures and understand their importance in the ocean and just realise that they're not a danger to us and actually we're far more of a danger to them. Yeah. Um, and feel really quite sorry for them. I don't actually feel as scared of sharks as I definitely did. Um, so I think my most scary moment that I remember was from series four, and we went on a safari in Africa, South Africa, uh, to watch the behavior of lions. And we wanted to see how their behavior changed from daytime to nighttime. So we went out in the day in the Jeep and we watched them and they were just sleeping and lying around and doing not, not a lot really. Um, and looking gorgeous <laughs> but then when night came and we were in this open jeep you know the safari open jeeps they don't have oh not not the tin can one <laughs> do they you're just all open for all the wildlife yeah. to get you um and then we had this infrared light so that we could see where the lions were that was running off the car so we couldn't hold that up all the time because otherwise the jeep wouldn't start when we needed it to so we just turned it on and off infrequently but when you'd put it on, you'd see where the lions were, turn it off for a bit. And then when you put it back on, all the lions would have moved, be oh. in a completely different positions and you wouldn't have heard a thing. So it was really creepy how stealthy they were. But there was this one moment where a female lion stood up quite near our Jeep and then a few of her siblings or offspring came over and then they all started to walk really slowly towards our Jeep. And I was front left, I was in the passenger seat and they were all just looking directly at me. And they walked till they were probably a pounce away. And I was just going, can we go now? Can we go now? Can we please go now? Can we go? Crying a little bit, I must admit. <laughs> but trying to stay quite still because they said, don't move too much, you know, don't make too much movement. And I was trying to trust our guide, knowing that he knew these animals way better than I did and understood their behaviour. But it was so scary. And so we did turn the engine on, went to drive away and they turned and went off into the night looking for food. But that moment, I honestly thought that was the end of me. I thought that's how I'm going to die. I'm going to be eaten by lions. And oh, I thought it was going to be a very grisly end. But thankfully, it didn't happen. That's lucky. Yeah, but it does sound like quite an intense experience. It was. <laughs> You know, do you ever get it when your your heart beats in your head? Mm. Have you ever had that? Like, Not often, but yeah. My heart beating through my ears almost. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. was horrible. That's really. But I mean, you know, lions are beautiful. I don't want to oh. give them a bad rep, but I don't want to be right next to one in an open jeep. No, no. Night yeah, I, in know. A I can sympathise <laughs> with that one. Yeah, um, but no, ma magnificent animals. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you you don't want to be sort of potential food, do you? No, um, when, you when you're never. observing them. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I fully appreciate that being quite a nightmare to handle. And um hope you didn't get too many flashbacks after that. But um... No, you do for a little bit. Every time I had quite an extreme experience, which was often on that programme, it does stay with you for quite a long time. You know, swimming with sharks did, um, jumping out of an aeroplane did, paragliding, yeah. you know, any kind of high octane activity yeah most uh, of those would terrify me i have to say yeah yeah <laughs> and you know we met a lot of scary creatures a lot of things that could have killed you quite quickly mm. and i have a very healthy respect for anything that's very toxic or venomous or yeah. has massive teeth or is much bigger than me you know yeah yeah 
completely. No. <laughs> Sensible. <laughs> Fully understand that. Yes, I'd be yeah, right yeah, with yeah. you on that one. <laughs> um, so do you think that TV has a big role to play in changing children's perceptions of the environment as well? Yeah, not just children, everyone. <laughs> and look how much telly we've been watching over the last year. I mean, people have just been consuming it so quickly, haven't they? And big documentaries on places like Netflix have such an impact. There's a new one, isn't there? Sea Spiracy. Yeah, Sea Spiracy, that's right. Yeah, that's, just gonna... it, that's on my to-watch list. And, you know, shows can just stay with you, can't they? And particularly if they do have a moment that's very poignant or very scary or really shocking I think they can really stay with you so then as a child if you see something like that you do take it with you I think throughout your life I remember all sorts of things that I watched as a child that I go oh yeah I still remember to be careful of pylons or something because I saw a really scary advert you know oh, when I was at school do you remember those remember that one the kid climbing or, up and then yeah, you're, yeah. or you know things that you shouldn't do and they mm. they you know, if, if it's done in the right way, it can have a really massive impact on your life, I think. So, yes, I think as a child to watch some, you know, really cool programmes. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, the wildlife programmes we make and things that sort of show you why you should be looking after these creatures and what makes these creatures so special and wonderful. Um, yeah, I think I think TV has a huge part to play. And obviously, because a lot of telly is still now shown on social media or snippets of it, you know, or... It's still the content, you know, it might be consumed in a different way online, but it's still the the content still is the same yeah. program making. You know, whether you call it a program on social media or not, it's the same sort of thing. It's just content that people are loving and watching. Yeah, because I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? The, the choice has become a bit bewildering in recent years because there is so I mean, there's there's so many different like online TV services you can pay for. But then there's also all the stuff like YouTube where, you know, people who maybe aren't working with a TV channel or whatever, but they still get their content out there and sometimes they achieve absolutely enormous audiences as well. Yeah. So it is really interesting the way things have changed. Because, um, yeah. yeah, talking to my kids, you know, and saying, you know, <laughs> when I was your age, there were three channels and, <laughs> and two yeah. of them had a picture of a girl with a blackboard <laughs> for about <laughs> half a day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, no, uh, that. you know yeah that's right yeah, the and, choice was limited for us just a fair. bit yeah <laughs> <laughs> and now they can ins they can just consume entire series at whim you know just yeah we used to have to wait a whole week didn't oh, we to see the next episode I know, you yeah get it on tap oh, so it's, it's, they don't know they're lucky they are no no times have really changed <laughs> haven't they <laughs> so do you feel that you've made any changes yourself I, I think you've kind of mentioned it already but um to, to reduce your own sort of impacts on the environment I don't know I don't know where to start with this question because well, good <laughs> I, I I'm trying to think of what I haven't changed might be a, a shorter list because you just once you start looking into it you can make changes on pretty much everything in your house um yeah. so yeah i have made a ton of changes whether it be so all my fruit and veg i can get from a local shop which doesn't have any plastic wrapping now a little fruity fresh place uh, so i do all that i buy we get toilet rolls that don't have any plastic wrapping on them from bamboo <laughs> <laughs> I use sort of uh, makeup stuff. I've got instead of disposable wipes, I've got kind of cotton pad things that I can uh, re wash in the washing machine to get my eye makeup off. We use soap bars instead of the liquid soap dispensers. We've got the Cora ball in the washing machine to catch the microfibers. We've got the tumble dry balls to try and cut down the time on there. We get our milk delivered uh, from a local milk 
Ackman now. So, in, you know, and we've gone pretty much vegetarian, plant-based. So we get our oat milk, you know, it comes. Yeah. So my only waste from milk is now a little foil bottle top, which I can recycle. So that's amazing. Um, out in the garden, we've done a ton of stuff. You know, we planted loads and loads of bee-friendly flowers and trees and put up bird boxes and bird baths and uh, insect homes and log piles for the insects to go in. Um, made holes in the fences so the hedgehogs and foxes can get through. Um, clothing, we buy lots of bamboo clothing now. Um, uh, yeah, like just the list goes on yeah, and on and on. It does, doesn't it? Uh, Plastic-free tea bags. I mean, you've probably been talking about this with everybody. A reusable coffee cup. I love a coffee, so I've always taken my cup with me. Water Great. bottles. I never buy a plastic water bottle of anything. Mm-hmm. Did you see that on, um, I think it was called War on Plastics with Hugh Fernley Whittingstall and Anita Rani. And they had a scientist who literally was doing tests on all the different types of water that comes in different bottles to see what the difference is between those and tap water. Yeah. And there was no difference. No, it's like it's... the biggest. Oh my word! So yeah, we've got a filter tap at home, so we don't have to use any plastic bottles or anything like that. Brilliant. Yeah. So All yeah, sorts you can do. Absolutely. No, that's that's great. I mean, that's that's a massive list of things that you're doing there. Oh, and I can um, carry on. You know, and and as I say, there's things coming out all the time, aren't there? So you see new things where you go, oh, I can swap that out, and most of the swaps don't have any impact on what you do i don't find no no that's right i mean it's just oh i'm really suffering from this change no exactly i mean a lot of the changes are quite easy to do once it's taking the time and the effort to kind of make the change in the first place but once you've done it it's like oh what's the fuss about really because it's well sometimes it's easier isn't it like getting your milk delivered i don't even have to go to the you know they come to your front door yeah yeah no that's that's dead simple isn't it and take the bottles away as well so you don't yeah. have any points. yeah and i'm completely with you on the oat milk i really like that it's, yeah it's all right isn't it it's good yeah yeah, love a bit of oat milk now. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's um, really. I'm not so keen on some of the other sort of plant milks, but oat milk I think does it for me. It's really Same. good. Same, I like the soya one. No. But also things like the soap. So we've gone to the natural soap bars, um, and I used to use a quite expensive soap bar. It was still in a plastic box, which annoyed me. And I used to write to them and say, "Can you send me just a refill bar?" And they wouldn't, so that annoyed me. So I swapped it out because I was like, "I wonder what it'd be like to just use a natural face bar on my." skin on my face and my skin improved about 10 times from swapping it out and it must have been the old bar was about 20 quid and this one's about three wow so i've saved myself a fortune it lasts just as long and i've really noticed an improvement from going to natural ingredients as well so i think there's the kind of like benefits for your skin and how you feel about yourself yeah these swaps as well well, that's a really strong case being made right there, isn't it? Really, um, yeah. yeah. You know, it's better for the planet, and it actually saves you money as well. Um, that's yeah. you know, that's really really good. So for me, it worked. It might work yeah. for you too. Yeah, yeah. Anyone <laughs> <laughs> <Everyone> listening? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay, right. Who's your favourite eco hero and why? Oh, God, that's a hard one. Um, There's a lot of them. We've had some interesting so answers. Oh, there's so many. I think it's people who, it's all the people who are doing something really proactive and making really big impacts in their own field. So people like Richard Walker, who's the managing director of Iceland Supermarket, and he is working so hard to uh, 
make changes in the supermarket on how they package their products and stuff. Um, Hugo Tagholm, who runs Surfers Against Sewage Charity and who's, you know, just set a million mile beach clean uh, initiative that they're going to try and do. Um, the Meek family, uh, the sisters who are just trying to make kids become plastic free. Um, all people who are really vocal and getting on with doing things. I have so much admiration. I wish I was more like them. I just uh, doff my hat. You know, Steve Backshaw in the way that he is out giving talks and doing shows and constantly um, infusing young people to care about the natural world. I just think anyone who's getting off their bottoms and really doing something, I I think all of them. So it's hard to choose a, one person in particular, I think. That's okay. You don't have to. <laughs> I think it's all the environmental heroes who are who are just making a difference by everything they're saying and doing Brilliant. on a daily basis. Even people who are just collecting litter, you know, in their local park, and people who I follow on Twitter who I just see them every day. They're collecting more rubbish from their local area. I think they're my heroes. That's really good. I like that. Um, yeah, people who are actually out there making a difference whether it be yeah. a big difference or a small difference, depending on, you know, the scale of what they're doing. But anyone who's out there doing it, brilliant. Yeah, that's uh, it. Okay, and this, this next question is not necessarily an environmental one, but who is your biggest inspiration and why? So this doesn't have to be environmental, it's anything. Oh, it's hard as well, isn't it? Yeah, really tough. <laughs> hmm. Probably, it might be my dad. Um, he's a real doer. He really gets on with stuff. Um, I think there must be something about that that I really like about people who get up and go type of people. Um, he's permanently got energy to just get things done and he, he never sits on his laurels. He's he's always busy um, and just a really steadfast, wonderful person in my life who's just always there. So, yeah, I think my dad. Pretty like that. <laughs> Uh, so, okay, so back to the environment now. What okay. do you think is the biggest challenge that's facing future generations? Uh, Just a well, small I question. Pro- <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably the plastic issue, isn't it? Because I think from what I hear, is it right that manufacturers, big businesses are planning to, I don't know, double their production of plastic over the next 20 years yeah, or something? I, I don't know, the projection is really bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we're already drowning in it and not dealing with it properly so i think unfortunately i think it would be the plastic crisis is um we need to really get a handle on how we're dealing with it and yeah stop using it and challenge big businesses to stop stop making it yeah i mean how do you think we can tackle it what do you think Um, for young people any ideas (laughs) for young people i think we've you know it's the power is in what we're doing so refusing it not buying it go when you go to the supermarket don't pick up stuff in plastic if you can possibly help it find an alternative um yeah wherever you can use your own bottle use your own cup just don't pick the stuff up don't take a plastic bag take your own bag to the shop um yeah refusing it i think is the power we have because if the if the you know the market's not there to buy the products then why would the manufacturers make it but ultimately I think the responsibility lies with those big businesses and I do think we need to keep challenging them and writing letters to them exposing their litter so every time we find it taking photos and shaming them a little bit into 
taking action and just saying that we don't want this. I love some of the schools at Better Energy Awards who've just been like, we refuse this stuff. We don't want it. Yeah. You need to sort it out. We don't want it. Make a better alternative for us. Um, so I think young people have that power to to challenge and say, no, absolutely, that's not coming into our school. No, find something else. Yeah, and I've, I mean, some of the schools have done that with their caterers as well um, and yeah. basically said, you know, look, you're bringing in loads of yogurt pots or whatever it is every day. Um, yeah. Can you stop that, please? Or, you know, you've got your little bottles of water or drink every day. Can't we just have cups that you wash up? Exactly. And, you know, and they've actually made those changes as a result. Yeah. So you know, those those young people, just by making a sort of polite but well-reasoned request, have managed to get that change um, put into place. And sometimes those changes are cheaper for the school, so everyone benefits, yeah. you know? Yeah, often in the long term, it's going to work out better, isn't it? Um, yeah. All round. Um, and, and uh, Yeah, so we do this plastic-free schools um, with Surface Against Sewage and just trying to get kids. And you think of that on the scale. So one child makes a change in their school, times that by every pupil doing it in their school across the country that's huge yeah. it feels tiny but if everyone does it it's massive the amount of plastic in schools each week is again a bit mind-boggling and a bit scary it's, um, yeah frightening the amount there is because everything gets multiplied by the number of kids yeah times five days a week as well doesn't it and when you're doing that it's like whoa exactly, um, exactly. yeah and financially as well for parents you know okay it's more effort to try and refill at home and you know take things in with you but the more you can do that the more money you do save in the long run so it's yeah it's just like you say changing the mindset and having the time and energy to be bothered to do it I think yeah yeah I think, think it's worth doing yeah, well, it definitely is and I think you know young people are in a position where they can really focus on that um, in a way that you know in grown-up life as an adult you often have so many different things coming at you all the time um that it's difficult and for young people particularly in primary school they maybe don't have quite as many things bombarding them the whole time um yeah. and so they've yeah. got more time to think about these things and think about how they can make them better um and they've you know we've seen it we've seen all the evidence they can do it they can make those changes and you yes. know not just in their own lives but they can change the way the school is organized around it as well um yeah and is... be really influential to their family and friends as well Absolutely. their little wider circle just of their own community yeah i think you, know, you can then go to your brownie group or your swimming group or you know implement the same changes everywhere you go and if all kids are doing that that's gonna really make some waves isn't it oh yeah completely no i absolutely agree um so your greatest hope for the future as well uh that that young people will just lead the way i think um that big businesses will start to listen to the fact that we don't want this stuff and that they'll start to make some changes i think you know there's a few companies that just are so responsible for so much waste um and i think they have to be held accountable and start to do something else um, and I think my biggest hope is that people start to care because I think a lot of people have heard the, heard what's in the news they understand that it's a problem but relating that then to making changes in your life I think that's the bit that I I can't quite figure out why some people just don't care no, <laughs> enough right, to do okay. anything so I feel like I see this and I go that's horrendous, that turtle's dying as a possibly direct result of something I've done I want to not do that um, and I just don't know quite how to how to get the message through so that other people feel 
uh, it's their responsibility too. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a challenge, isn't it? You, yeah, I don't know how you break through because obviously things are so convenient and it's so difficult if you need things to be convenient in your life. Like you say, when you're stretched in all directions, yeah. having the time and effort to sort all those things out becomes very hard. And, you know, like habits form, I suppose, over time as yeah. well. And it's breaking those habits is yeah. the, the other thing. And I think, you know, kids have a tremendous part to play in this because they can actually be the ones who apply the pressure to those those adults and say look you know you could change this you could make this better yes. um and you know they they provide that little voice of conscience if you like <laughs> constantly in someone's ear um yeah, yeah, for yeah. hours on end and yeah. you know, <laughs> that, that can actually bring about that change just yes. from a sort of will you just be quiet point I know. <laughs> even just to keep you quiet yeah, yeah. Just... but yeah you know i mean if that's what it takes i suppose that's what it takes but let's, let's... But that's the sh- that's the thing i think is a bit of a shame it feels like why should you have to become this kind of nag and this yeah. irritant and this annoying sort of voice i would love that it becomes a kind of it just makes sense to do this so come on everyone come with us and we'll all make a better planet yeah um, yeah i think you know that's what i wish for kids get that it doesn't become a nag yeah i know well yeah that's that's true as well Let, let's get everyone to agree that this is this is something that we all need to do and move forwards with that and that would be an amazing you know i mean i think the whole future of um of the planet is all about getting much more of a kind of a global consensus on yeah. how we're going to do things for the future yeah um, all doing it yeah. yeah exactly um i mean we all love swimming in the sea we all love going on holiday i love surfing we all love uh, you know yeah yeah enjoying the beach but when the beach becomes covered in trash then we're all going to be a bit more like uh i don't really want to swim by that dirty nappy and mm. you know it's, so i think yeah, it's kind of until it's like landing right on your doorstep then you want to do something about yeah. it maybe no. I think that's the problem with with the human race generally, isn't it? That you know we we tend not to take action until something is in uh, until the lion is a few feet away from us in the, <laughs> in yeah. the jeep. Or, you know, that, that impending threat is really really close, and that's when right. yeah. But up until then, it's just been like that's so, eh, all right. Um, yeah. It's just out of mind, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's not my problem. No, exactly. So I, I think yeah, getting that message across of you know, sort of shared responsibility is really really important uh, and across the generations as well but yeah you know i think yes young people very much have a part to play but they can't do it by themselves they need to be you know helped by the adults around them as well so yeah um yeah. and that's why they're all my eco heroes all those teachers and people that are enabling kids to be really powerful yeah completely i think they're so important because they're they're what sort of steers the change if you like um exactly. yeah exactly. absolutely no, really good. Okay, your favourite animal and why? <laughs> oh, that's um, a green turtle. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've been lucky enough to swim with one twice, once in the Barrier Reef in Australia and once um, in an island in Malaysia called Sipadan. Um, and just the most magical encounter when you see a turtle. Have you ever swum with a turtle? <laughs> no, I've not been to exotic seas very much. Indian Ocean oh. once, that's about it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> It was just I feel so spoiled because it's like the wisest, most gentle creature yeah. and just swims so slowly and gracefully and it clocks you and sees you. But you just think, oh, you're so beautiful. I just think they're so beautiful. Yeah. I love turtles. And shark free waters, presumably. Uh, no, there were sharks there, all but right, I, was, okay. I was with experts yeah, and I okay. just stick close to them and they tell me I'm all right, so I believe them. That's um, good. <laughs> but I had a tough tip about swimming with um, 
a lot of creatures in the sea actually which is always quite handy to pass on i think is if you're snorkeling because i don't dive i just snorkel right yeah um that uh if you try if you rather than getting behind a creature you're trying to watch because if you're behind it it feels threatened and will try and swim away if you can try and get alongside it then you're likely to have a longer encounter because they won't feel so scared and will stick around a bit longer oh. so that was a top tip i was given so i'd like to share that one yeah that's useful yeah for yeah. anybody out there yeah. who's yeah absolutely um yeah oh, that's cool um favorite place in the world and why well, Sipadam was amazing. One of the best diving resorts, I think, on earth. It was absolutely unbelievable. Um, but probably the Maldives. I got to go on, hol- on honeymoon wow. many years ago. Um, only because all our friends bought us it as a present. But yeah, that was pretty special. Turquoise water, sand so deep like I've never known it. Oh my goodness, just paradise. Beautiful dream destination that yeah no it does sound really lovely um yeah just... i would go back to the maldives <laughs> <laughs> excellent you where's your favorite place oh do you know i'm afraid i'm a bit a bit kind of uk centric really most of the time i haven't I haven't got on a plane to fly anywhere since 2003 um so yeah wow. so um as a result of that i'm mostly in the uk with with most things and i absolutely love the highlands of scotland i think they are okay. you know just absolutely beautiful um spend a lot of time in the area around loch ness either on it in a boat or just you know sort of in the mountains around it and um yeah i think it's it's absolutely beautiful everywhere around there um as long as it's not ridge season uh, um, that's yeah that's true uh, yeah yeah that that wasn't i said the place i really got bitten badly was in sweden i went out to the forests in sweden or oh, in the 1990s i think it was um and we had a tour of one of Tetra Pak, the carton making companies, um, yeah. sustainable forestry places there. And it was it was amazing to look at. But we were in the middle of summer and oh, there were just and they weren't they weren't midges. These things were heavy duty. Um, and um, I had to wear I had a hoodie. I had it pulled up. I had my sleeves sort of as far down as they go. And I just ended up with these massive lumps all over oh, my no. face this and my hands. Yeah, these were mid. these were proper full on mosquitoes, I think. And oh. they just they just ate me alive during the time I was there. I always get eaten by mosquitoes. Oh, yeah. People are always really glad when I'm around because I just take the hit for everybody else. I'm Yeah, me too. Always like me. Oh my word! Yeah, exactly <laughs> oh, the same. <laughs> so yeah, that wasn't wasn't a pleasant experience. Lovely forest, no. but um, yeah, could have done without all the bites. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I probably tend to veer towards colder places rather than yeah. warmer places. I I like beaches, but only for about an hour or two at a time. And after that, I just go yeah, okay. really? yeah, generally. Oh, no, <laughs> oh, we couldn't ever go on holiday together. I love I love beaches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> More than happy on a beach. Right, okay. Now, I mean, yeah, as I said, I like it for a little while, but then after that, it's like, yeah, okay, I want to do something else now. Um, Honestly, and... if I'm cold, I'm not happy at all. Oh, right, yeah, I'm yeah. Worse with the cold. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, yeah, I don't mind it being warm as long as it doesn't get too hot, but, um, and warm water, I have to say, the Indian Ocean, when I w- went there to, to Kenya, 
um dindy notion's very nice you know when you've got yeah. sea that's warm like a swimming pool i like that oh. that's uh yeah because the english channel not fun um <laughs> <laughs> no not quite as easy to get into <laughs> no no you, definitely I, I would always be wearing at least a wetsuit for the english channel because i'm a complete yeah, wuss yeah. um but it's it's too yeah, cold too cold yeah <laughs> but we do have some amazing beaches and oh, oh, just beautiful scenery yeah i mean it's yeah. absolutely stunning and it's lovely sometimes you you look online and they have these photos of these absolutely amazing beaches and you know they're saying where do you think this is then and it turns out it's in wales or it's you know yeah. in the it's in north dorset of england or... Or... yeah yeah exactly yeah. oh i'd recognize it yeah. who's in dorset that's uh... yeah <laughs> but... Pembrokeshire yeah Cornwall, absolutely I think they're some of my favorite beaches and i've i have been lucky to go uh quite far away and yeah i always i always just absolutely love our home beaches yeah yeah they are beautiful yeah we're really lucky in the uk we have such a diversity of um different kind of scenes um within a really small space you know because it's not yeah. not a huge country but we just have no. so much on this island it's amazing um yeah so uh, do you have any advice for young people who are wanting to make the world a better place what do you think they should do um i think it's stuff like getting involved and getting stuck in yourself getting busy doing things if you can so you know sign up to a plastic free schools program in your area there's loads of them you know get your school you know you could be the change at your school you could set up the the little group that's going to eco group that's going to lead the way um you can make changes in your own house you can you know persuade your parents to swap out some of those products you could ask you know you could spend some of your pocket money on better products or better clothes or um you know look up the kind of environmental um, better options and see if you can make changes yourself but and and just be really vocal about it because I do think young people have very powerful voices and we will sit up and listen and we do want to help and um, so I think just learn learn why learn why you're saying what you're saying and and go out there with your megaphone and and get telling everybody about it I think that's brilliant advice actually learn the facts first learn why you're doing it and then go yeah. and do it. Yeah, I yeah. think that's really good advice. Um, yeah. Don't just shout before you know why, why you're doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> you need... And I mean, things like your website, they're so amazing. You've got so many resources there. And, and it's so much easier these days to find out the facts, isn't it? And Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, the internet is an amazing thing in terms of being yeah. able to get information quickly now. Um, reliable sources <laughs> well that's true you can get all sorts of information but um, yeah. you know you go to the right places and you get the, exactly. the right kind of information that really helps you um, to understand things uh, definitely yeah and I think also you know find your passion you know are you passionate about beaches or are you passionate about countryside are you passionate about farming or clothing or fashion or makeup or you know find the area that interests you and see where the kind of environmental aspects of that particular area are and maybe you can focus on that so it's even more relatable to you and to your life and probably to your friends as well then yeah no i think that's really good advice as well it's always good to do the things that you enjoy i think and if you yeah find out those things that you're really interested in and that you're going to enjoy finding out more about that's a perfect place to start really and it doesn't feel like hard work then does no, it? no exactly brilliant advice <laughs> <laughs> well naomi it's been absolutely lovely talking to you this afternoon and um, really nice to talk to yeah, you too. thanks very much for coming and hopefully we'll see you again soon Hopefully. Okay. Fingers crossed. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Naomi. Cheers. Our guest today for the YPT podcast was Naomi Wilkinson. To find out more, please visit ypte.org.uk 
You can email us at info at ypte.org.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at YPTE or on Facebook on Instagram at We Are YPTE. Thank you for listening.